Big Fluff. You a football fan? Or a baseball guy? Makes sense, you like a soft sport. You know, ever since the NFL strike, it's been nothing but lies and deception. You, you, you know about deception, don't you? Not sure I follow. I mean, I can tell you having problems at home. Now, an example. Uh, when was the last time you had your uh, cock uh, sucked? Excuse me? That long, huh? Big gas. You know what else I can tell? What's that? I can tell you want to fuck my wife. What I mean? Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it's September, so you know what that means. It's Nick Cage month still. It is. Still going through these Nick Cage movies. I mean, it's always Nick Cage month in our hearts, but... Oh, every month is Nick Cage month. But this is the only time it's Nick Cage month on our calendars, so... Right. Yeah. I don't know how September got to, I guess just because we did it last year, so now September is forever Nick Cage month. Yeah, there isn't a, a significance, although I bet we could find one. He's done enough movies, we could probably... <laughs> I'm sure that we could tie September into the canon of why this is Nick Cage month, so maybe for the 2022 edition, we'll, we'll have that locked down. When we watch Leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> the worst Nicolas Cage movie. Yep. We're going to watch Leaving Las Vegas, Raising Arizona. Adaptation. The, the, the dregs. We'll yeah. be scraping the bottom of the Nick Cage barrel. But be glad we have some good stuff this year. Yeah. Is best work. We're, we're just at the maligned movies, not the out-and-out out bad movies. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this week we are talking about Grand Isle, uh, a 2019 movie with a 2020 release starring Nick Cage, Katie Strickland. Kelsey Grammer and and some other dude. Luke Benward. Benward. That's a dumb name. It's it's odd. Yeah. Uh he plays Buddy in the film. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is a movie I had not heard of until we were looking for Nick Cage movies to do. And it was, as they say, or as Nick Cage would say it, it was on Hulu. <laughs> yes, it is indeed on Hulu. <laughs> so, I, but I'm glad we chose it. I will say that. I, I, I Same. I will say that what might have tipped the scales is watching the trailer and seeing other past Silver Linings playbook actor Kelsey Grammer in it in this playing a no-nonsense Southern detective might have been what shot this over the edge. Yeah, I mean, I think just seeing Kelsey Grammer's name in the cast list probably was enough unto itself. But him doing a, a Foghorn Leghorn accent mm -hmm. in the movie is, is, I think, what really put it over the top as why we had to do this movie. It was a great choice. We're not at the silver lining portion yet, but spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers, old KG. <laughs> uh, 
drops in a good, well, I said, I said, boy, that's not how we do things down here. Which I look, I'll say, obviously, if you didn't go back to our 2020 Nick Cage month, you should listen to all those. But after you've listened to all those, if you haven't heard our Money Plane episode, still one of my favorite movies that we've done on the pod is Money Plane. Oh, definitely. It is easily in the top of my most favorite movies here, Money Plane. Uh, yeah, it, I, was, I was shocked that it got snubbed at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all political. Yeah, it, they just didn't put the money into the, uh, the ad campaign. Because they put it on the plane. That right, was the all issue. The money was on the plane. Yeah, and then, and then they, Adam Copeland stole it, so. Yeah. And now the rumble is uh, on the case trying to get it back. <laughs> Let me ask you this. This is, this is Nick Cage month, so please, uh, counselor, if you'll give me some leeway. Uh, but if the Rumble, one of the world's greatest criminals, were to go up against Detective Jones from Grand Isle, uh, also played by Kelsey Grammer, who do you think would win that? Oh, the Rumble. Yeah, I, d- I think so, too. I think... I would watch that, by the way. If anyone wants to film that where it's just this Kelsey Grammer character interrogating the Rumble about his crimes vis-a-vis the money plane. Yeah, I, I think that I, that would be a short film that I would watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would love it if the only difference between the two Kelsey Grammers is how tight the tie was. Yes. Well, and the accent, obviously. Well, right. But I'm saying like aesthetically. Yes. Just it's the same tie, it's the same shirt, it's the same jacket, it's just a little looser when he's Detective Jones, mm-hmm. and a little more uh, put together when he's uh, Emmanuel Darius Grouch the Third, A.K.A. The Rumble. The Rumble. I would also love to see The Rumble try to seduce his way out of Detective Jones' questions, <laughs> just to use his innate sexual charisma to fluster Detective Jones. <laughs> I think he'd succeed. Yeah. And then Detective, then Detective Jones could go see his therapist, Dr. Fraser Crane. I mean, now we got something. Now we got a movie. Yeah. So, Kelsey, if you're listening, and we know you are. Yeah. Holler at your boys. <laughs> your three most iconic characters, Fraser Crane, <laughs> Detective Jones, and The Rumble. Mm-hmm. There you go. All in a movie together. Yep. Just wait for that short film Oscar to come your way. And it will. Oh, for sure. If William Zabka can win one, you then, know. Then can't we all? Yeah. That's the lesson to take away he from this. Couldn't even beat Daniel LaRusso in a local karate tournament. I know. But he can win an Oscar for best short film. Yeah. Or I think he just got nominated for an Oscar for best short film. Oh, well, then he can't win an Oscar. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just, uh, I'm not going to fact check that, but. Eh. Facts are whatever you want them to be. That's, in 2021, that's very true. Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about Grand Isle, which, um, the title of the movie refers to the fact that this takes place in Grand Isle, Louisiana. Mm Mm-hmm. A real place. Uh, that apparently doesn't abide by the Constitution based on one of the scenes later on. Now, they're in the South. They don't... Things operate... That's what you need to know going into this movie. First of all, they're not in the rest of America. They're in the South. They're in the South. And things are different there. Like the accents and uh, whether or not you're allowed a phone call. 
or access to a lawyer for questioning, which yeah. is an amendment in the Constitution. It's in your Bill of Rights. The phone call thing is BS, actually. that is, You don't actually get a right to a phone call anywhere. That's just something from the movies. But because um, you can have as many or as few phone calls as your uh, detainers will allow you. But I'm they a- do have to let you get a lawyer. I'm also going to I'm going to say this to our audience, and this is a this is a public service announcement, and it's actually something uh, my co-host Lars uh, on my other show, Hobo Ready, is really fond of pointing out. But I think this is a good opportunity to bring it up here. If you're ever charged of a crime, whether it's uh, you're being railroaded by Nicolas Cage and his wife in some sort of like psychosexual mind game or just any kind of crime, shut up and get a lawyer. Just get get your lawyer. Don't talk to the cops. You don't have to talk to them. Just a, mm-hmm. just a public service announcement for everybody out there. Just just take a nap. Wait for that lawyer to show up. Yeah. And uh, if I know the odds, there's a better than zero chance that all of us at one time will be railroaded by psychosexual games played by Nicolas Cage and his wife. Yeah. And luckily, when it happened to me, I was prepared to wait for my lawyer to show up. And then I avoided a lot of the problems that, that arose in this movie for Buddy because my lawyer just talked his way out of it. He was very, very good at his job. Mm-hmm. Highly worth a retainer. Yeah, uh, I'm still waiting to be railroaded by psychosexual love games by Nicolas Cage and his wife, but I assume it's going to happen any day now. I keep telling you, uh, buddy, just don't wait by the phone. It'll come to you, but it, it, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've missed a couple of calls. I can only assume that that's what they were. Oh, well, that, well, this is the other thing you need to know. They won't, they won't wait. If, you, if they call and you don't answer, well, then they move on to the next name on the list. Because they got to right. get to everybody. So Right, and that, there's you know, almost 8 billion people in the world, and I'm just, I got to wait for the circle back, you know? Yeah, and they're only through like about 6 billion of them, I think. Right, so, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a few weeks yeah. before I get <laughs> Before I get the second call. So, um, yeah, this movie's bad. Well, I, I want a caveat to that, which is to say, yeah, no, this is fair. I, so I texted you when I started this movie about, I was about 20, 30 minutes into this movie and I texted you that I liked it. And I stand by the fact that I enjoyed the first two thirds of this movie. And then I can only assume that that whoever was writing the first two thirds of this movie had to go accept a uh, short form film Oscar somewhere and was pulled off of the project before writing the third act, at which point I, you know, Michael Bay was brought in <laughs> to, to finish the script, having not read the previous two acts. That sounds right. Because look, man, I, I enjoyed Kelsey Grammer. I enjoyed everything that was happening with, uh, Nick Cage's character and with his wife Fancy as they trapped a man who was hired to fix their fence in their home <laughs> and then just played mighty like there the first act like and I'm not saying it's on the level of these things but I'm saying just wheelhouse wise like genre wise was tapping into some who's afraid of Virginia Wolf territory yeah, I got that vibe for you sure. You know, like there, there was definitely some of that. Some of the, uh, what's the Stella? Like uh, streetcar named Desire. Streetcar named Desire. Like I was getting those kind of vibes of like that, which is a genre of movie, whatever you want to call that. Like, um, people being stuck in unpleasant situations. 
Like, yeah, well, and there's also hints at like even more sinister versions of that, like funny games and other things that like they were they were eking into those territories. And I that movie is the movie I wanted. I really enjoyed it because yeah, they so early just to set it up a little bit. So yeah, we kind of set it, but like there's we get Buddy who is our protagonist who he he's got a wife and he's got a kid and he's he's hard up for money he's hard up for work and can't get late <laughs> these are all established in his first scene well yeah his his wife is going through some postpartum depression and is not feeling very uh sexually interested yeah and so we find out all of that in like his first scene and then he gets a call to fix a fence for uh for Nick Cage and for Fancy and uh, right out the gate like Nick Cage, I feel like I should look up his character name that I'm not remembering, which is Walter, Walter. apparently. Walter comes in hot, like immediately is just confrontational with him. And it's just like, you know, already like, look, if you can fix this fence today, I'll pay you. And they, well, there's a negotiation, but he, he wants it fixed that day and they kind of argue. But yeah, so he's supposed to fix the fence, but then a hurricane. Well. It, we also have to point out that the reason the fence is broken is because Nicolas Cage murdered an intruder. Yes. Escaping yeah. the house. Yeah. That's, that's how the movie starts. Yeah. And so we get that. But then, yeah, so he's fixing the, the fence and then there's a storm. And then he basically his car won't start. So he has to stay there for the night. And once he's trapped there for the night. It's very clear. It's also uh, Walter and Fancy's anniversary. And Fancy really wants to have sex with Buddy. And Walter really wants to play mind games with him. And all of that just plays out. All and they of both it. get their wish. Yeah, they both get their wish. <laughs> and like, that's the start of the movie. And I, I was super into it. And I could watch because Nick Cage, that's a great role for Nick Cage. Uh Katie Strickland, great casting for Fancy. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, they they both knew what was being asked of them and played it. And then just out of nowhere, because also, so while all of this is happening, we start with the fact that Buddy is in police custody and being interrogated for murder by Kelsey Grammer. And, and he disappeared. I was going to say by Detective Jones, because he just yeah. disappeared into that role. Yeah, yeah, by Detective Jones. And so... He's telling a story and we're getting the movie is playing out through him telling us what happened. But but yeah, so all all this plays out and then all of a sudden. Everything is going, you know, more or less how it should be playing out until seriously, the third act feels like I, I would love to know. I would love to know if there was a different ending and they did like a test screening and they decided to change it or if the original script had a different ending and then whatever producer signed on, it was just like, no, nah, you can't end it. Like, cause it, it felt like the movie should have had a dark ending where buddy has just come up against forces. He didn't understand and lost. That's what I was hoping for. Like yeah. just dark no, the, ending. The, the third act of this movie feels very much like it was written by Homer Simpson and Mel Gibson. Yes. Yeah. That they, they went off somewhere and, and wanted to come up with a happy ending because Everything changes, like the way the characters are behaving change, the, the rules of the world seem to change. But yeah, just third act wise, he stumbles into a basement where they're kidnapping people and then he tries to run away, but then gets knocked out by fancy, wakes up in his car with a dead body, 
which is how he's caught by Kelsey Grammer. And then he's telling all this to Kelsey Grammer, who doesn't believe him at first. And then it turns out he mentioned like in some of the worst police work I've ever seen in any movie. So he says, like, I don't know, there was this red scrap of something in his hand with like Chinese characters on it. And there's a woman listening in who's another detective. And she's like, you know. What he described, that sounds like the dress that this uh, teenage girl who went missing was wearing. So they open the folder. They find a picture of the dress. Detective Jones walks in with the photo, shows it to him and says, is this what you saw? And he says, yes. And then from that point on, believes everything that he says, which, again, that's how you want to do detective work. You want to have photo evidence and you just want to taint the the ability to ID it by just showing it to the guy. Not like a lineup of various uh, scraps, you know, like that he could compare, not asking. Not, I thought he was going to walk in looking at the photo and say, describe it to me again. And be lo- he has the photo and seeing if it matches the description. But no, just shows him the photo and says, is this what you saw? And you know, he's like, yes. And then from that point, then they, that's apparently again in Louisiana, in the state of Louisiana, where the, the, they don't have the constitution. That is enough to get a search warrant. It's just the testimony search warrant immediate. And it seemed like sweeping Sunday, I think. Yeah. On a Sunday. Also it's, uh, it's sweeping. Like they're allowed to just look at the entire house, uh, wherever they want. And even at this point, I was holding out hope that, They were going to show up and that them being one step ahead in this cat and mouse game that they had cleared out the basement or something that they that they anticipated that this could happen. So there was going to be no evidence. And I still would have been okay with that. It wouldn't have been the ending I wanted, but like, okay. but then, no, they didn't see this coming. There are still people in the basement. They all figure that out. But then Nick Cage's character just like. Dex a a guy in the face, the only guy that's watching the two of them, gets in his muscle car and drives off. And then upon which he gets hired as a janitor to work in a (laughs) Yeah, he goes to work. You know what? Maybe that's why he does he doesn't talk in all of Willie's Wonderland because he's afraid he's gonna give away the fact that he's a wanted criminal. And then (laughs) And that's, then goes back and decides to kidnap Buddy's wife because having been through the incident suicide of, by cop. Yeah, because when he, having gone through the events of Willie's Wonderland, he realizes you can never really escape your past, and so you know these people they're literally possessing animatronic <laughs> kids uh, entertainers. So like he knows that I have to go back, and I ha- you know what that would actually explain it because that was a weird thing. He runs off in his car. And then just for no logical reason, after he has escaped and nobody knows where he is, he just decides this guy who is a Marine with like, you know, we we find out that he has this like military training uh, who's been able to successfully hide that he's kidnapping teenagers for a while now. For some reason, he just decides to kidnap Buddy's entire family and die by cop, which is the only explanation for his plan is that he was planning to be shot by the cops because he does it in broad daylight in front of a restaurant full of people. Yeah, that, there's literally no other option. Yeah, he, there was no way he was getting out of that, which is the only scene that he shares with Kelsey Grammer, by the way, <laughs> is that last scene. 
that that was a little i i was kind of hoping when i saw that they were both in this movie that they would share a little more screen time than that uh but yeah you want it wasn't to be you want to see detective jones put the screws to walter like for sure i was hoping but you want to see them in a, a mental chess match yes yeah for sure uh but yeah the the end is just wild like it's this completely different movie where yeah he's wearing like his full military uniform and he's which is from no branch of the military if you actually fact check it it, it was just bought at an army navy store right well i mean we find out that he was only in vietnam for like a week so right. maybe, maybe he didn't have and he, that was when he was 17 so he he didn't keep that uniform he just had to find the best thing that he could find Right. On short notice, while wanted from the law. So when you think about it through that lens, he did pretty well with his costume. <laughs> but yeah, he it's the well, last. He spends the whole movie looking like Con Air Nick Cage, and then at the end becomes uh, Weatherman Nick Cage for the final showdown. And or first act of Con Air Nick Cage when yeah, he was that's in the military, and yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's the end is wild and way longer than I would have thought it was. And just a completely different movie from everything that preceded it with. And just nothing makes any sense. Right. Cause like up to the point that they reveal that they're like kidnapping people for their weird fetishes or whatever, there's never any hint of any of that going on in the world. No. No, there's some like in the background, there's like I, I did clock that that a TV one time mentioned something about missing teenagers. But I also feel like that was added when they decided to do this new ending, <laughs> like they added. Yeah, one that that seems really plausible. Um, But yeah, like there's it's not threaded. There's nothing like no. it, it again. It felt like you're saying like, you know, that it, we were doing this kind of. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Funny games, like what? Like we're kind of playing into this certain genre, and then it becomes a different genre of movie. Like we're in, it's just now a much broader, you know, uh, just action movie instead of like a psychological thriller. And because of that, everyone is behaving much dumber than they were right before. Because the movie was just that, like they just keep kidnapping, not necessarily kidnapping, but seducing local people for their weird psychosexual relationship like it would have it would have been on brand for like nick cage to then try to seduce buddy yeah well also i mean they had a setup that i thought worked that they were going for which is the tilt is like because at first uh walter is very hostile towards him and and you seem like he might fight him or try to kill him but then he gives the pitch of like hey my wife is dying and i'm gonna i have a bag full of money and I want you to kill my wife. And so I thought that was a good like tilt of like, you know, now everything is sort of changing. The rules are changing. Like, you know, now what are you going to do? Because they also establish he really needs money. So it's like you have right. the wife trying to seduce you. You have the husband trying to get you to kill her. But also you're a little afraid that he might kill you if you don't go along like it. That's a really you great carry dynamic. Those threads through and have a satisfying movie. And it should have been a movie with those those three and obviously detective jones because without detective jones what are we doing but um right but oh, yeah that goes without saying but yeah you could have still had him because what i thought even when he was like doing being interrogated i assumed that maybe the wife did end up dead and that uh walter had successfully made it look like buddy 
had killed his wife, but then was Walter was going to sit there and be like, what is he talking about? I didn't, you know, like we didn't have any deal. What? I paid this guy to like that kind of money. Yeah. It's just like, I paid this guy to fix my fence and then he murdered my wife. Like, I don't know what's going on. We invited him into our house. Yeah. (laughs) And then he got my wife, uh, killed. (laughs) He committed, uh, murder. (laughs) But yeah, it's, I, the, the end is so weird and kills all so of weird all of the goodwill established by the previous hour of the movie and there's even a way to tell the story where it's nick cage and katie strickland like this is their kink just effing with locals I would love that. I would love if there weren't actually stakes, if the only stakes were like, even if you so if you played along and you were like, okay, I'm going to kill your wife and like you inject her with this. It's not anything. It's like saline. Right. And she'd be fine. Solution or whatever. It's just to see what you'll do. Will you have sex with her? Will you try to kill her? Like the gun's not loaded. Like there there is no actual threat except that you think that there is one. Right. And it's just these are just fucked up people. And this is like how they celebrate their anniversary every year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. And then it's just at the end, like he runs out and they're just having coffee and they're smiling together and being like, yeah, he was, you know, he did better than the last one. year. Yeah. He was better than last year's, you know? Like, yeah. Like, did he eat your. I'm not going to finish that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Dinner dinner yeah yes um um yeah but, but no, yeah like, it's just been something like that it would have yeah immediately raised this entire movie because that's all it needed it, it just felt like someone weirdly overthought the ending in a way that's truly baffling and like or like maybe they do murder the person they kidnap every year but it's still their anniversary like it's still how they celebrate their anniversary i'd be fine and with that too yeah. You know, just and any number of things. Um or like maybe it's revealed that Detective Jones is in on it with him, that's why they never get in trouble or something. I mean, if you're pitching that the end of this movie is Kelsey Grammer comes over to their house for a three-way, then uh, yes. Yo, I I mean, <laughs> I thought I thought that's where the movie was heading from the opening credits. So. He just he stops doing the accent and is just <laughs> It's like, well, I said, I said, Jones, drop the accent. <laughs> oh, baby, I hear the blues are calling, <laughs> toss salad and scrambled eggs. Mercy. <laughs> I mean, we ha, did it. Ha! Look, with that, if that was Grand Isle, we wouldn't be doing this show right now. No, we wouldn't be. This would be winning all of the Oscars. Yeah, because we'd be like, we're, this is Nick Cage month where we're talking about movies that aren't Grand Isle, his universally acclaimed Academy Award winning film. Black comedy. Yeah, it's, it's a real shame they didn't go that way. It was all there. Because the, the track was laid out to go down that path. Mm-hmm. And then. Like. It just couldn't decide what it wanted to be after that. Right. Yeah, it just... Again, someone really overthought the ending in a bummer of a way. Overthought and under-executed. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, that's... I mean, I don't know if there's anything more... Well, you know what? 
Yes. There's one other really specific thing I want to malign before we pivot, but what's going on with his wife, with Buddy's wife? The non-character that is Buddy's wife, who for some reason was logically going to leave him because he cheated on her uh, with Fancy, but then goes through a trauma and decides it's all fine. (laughs) Sure. Which I don't know if that's out of character for her or not, because she wasn't a character. Right. She didn't have a character like. It it makes perfect sense that having just had a baby, she's not interested. Her sexual appetite is significantly decreased. That's a fairly normal occurrence. Um, And I can see how that would lead to marital strife. Sure. Well, and also, yeah, but, so there's that and combined with the fact that, yeah, the, she's with a guy who isn't working steadily so they just had a baby he's not bringing in any money she's she's very concerned with the financial security of their child and he seems concerned with like getting laid so all of that makes sense of why their marriage is cock um sucked yeah and so all of that tracks for like the problems that they're having in the beginning and but then like yeah by the end I did laugh that she unironically becomes the uh, SNL, uh, you know, woman from every boxing movie and literally tells Buddy that she's going to be staying at her sister's, (laughs) you know, but uh, but yeah, she leaves him when she finds out that he both, you know, cheated on her and is accused of murder. But then because Walter kidnaps her and almost kills her, then she forgives her husband in the end. Yep. That was weird. So I just I didn't yeah. want to give that a pass while no, we were you, still. You couldn't you couldn't ignore that. Um the only other thing I want to mention is the movie starts well it starts with the um Nicolas Cage murdering the robber and that's never addressed again. Yeah. Other than that's why the fence broke. Mhm. Sure. Fine. Uh but then there's also a scene where two girls come selling candy to the house. Oh, right. And like Katie Strickland's character is kind of racist to the black one. And seems a little enamored with the other character. And yeah, it's that whole scene is weird. I think it's supposed to foreshadow her not being able to have kids, but it feels I completely forgot that scene happened. But yeah, that scene is a super out of place. It's also implied that she then kidnapped those girls and they were two of the girls that were in the basement. Yeah, I guess. But again, just a weird. It's just weird. Yeah. And then the very like last shot of the movie, like the the, sort of this weird nonsensical voiceover and a hand turning out the lights in the house like that made no sense to me. Yeah, I don't. They're yeah. Like that was the equivalent of like close up on the dog while his eyes look dart from side to side. No, there's a the movie has a rocky beginning and a very rocky end uh, for sure. Where I'm not really sure where they're going for. And also both the beginning and the end of the movie are doing too many things. Because yeah. like the end started feeling like Lord of the Rings. I kept just like because it had already gone off the rails and I was like, oh, all right. But then it like there kept being more scenes after kept putting down more rails and then ignoring them. Yeah. And I was like, you, you guys can just stop at this point. It doesn't matter. You're not going to bring this. This train yeah, this, into the station. You're not you're not saving this shipwreck. So this just is, uh, just cut to black at any point. Now it doesn't yeah. matter. 
mid sentence who cares at this point i don't yeah honestly just might as well do the end question mark i mean <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so i think that's that's why it's maligned though oh I, and very fairly maligned <laughs> yeah for sure but i i think uh, i'm good if you want to pivot yeah let's pivot um of all the movies that we've watched for these two now Nick Cage months, this might be the Nick Cage performance I've enjoyed the most. Oh, it's... He's just bananas. No, yeah, I mean, it's the most, like, what we want from a Nick Cage movie, where, yeah, it, it feels like... Because I saw one of the IMDb things says that he improvised a lot of his dialogue, and that tracks. But... yeah. But no, Nick Cage is Nick Caging a lot. And and again, I mean, take it as an isolated, again, short film that will then submit to the Oscars this year. That dinner scene is great. I could have watched. Oh, yeah. Way, like the dinner scene and then also the scene later where he's also Nicolas Cage deserves an Academy Award for the way he smokes a cigar in this movie. Oh, his best smoking of a cigar in the in the movie. He <laughs> but, wins that Oscar for sure. But when he takes Buddy up to the attic to tell him to kill Fancy, and he's just like drinking liquor and he's just talking to him and just that whole conversation about like their military service and everything. Utterly delightful. Like every scene when he is negotiating with him in the beginning, it's great. When he lines up beer bottles to shoot. That's next my favorite to- scene in the whole movie. Yeah. I like, mean, yeah. It, while Buddy's fixing the fence, um, a, a move straight out of Huckleberry Finn. Uh, and then Walter comes along and just like puts his empty PBR bottles on the fence posts and then disappears for a while. And the next thing you know, one of the beer bottles gets blown up by a shotgun from when you see him standing on the roof of the house. Mm-hmm. Like you want to talk about showing and not telling? Like that's showing and not telling everything you need to know about that character. Like that was great. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He- and Nick Case through the whole movie is just he's like unhinged. But totally in control the way only Nick Cage can play unhinged and totally in control. Also, you know what? I want to spotlight one more Nick Cage moment because yeah. it really killed me. Is when we're seeing it that is their anniversary. So Fancy is wearing sexy lingerie and like a nightgown and she's doing a dance for him. And he's in the corner. He's wearing a pair of sunglasses and she's just doing like a full on performance of like, I am doing this sexy dance for my husband. And he does not react. And then she walks over and she pulls the sunglasses off and he's asleep. But it's just like the physic great. The physicality of like how he looks sitting in the corner. Like it's perfect. Like it is so perfect. His posture, like the reveal that he's asleep really works. Like it's it's great. He like it is exactly like because I, I didn't see it coming and it really made me laugh out loud. The reveal. Of like the sunglasses coming off and him just being out. But yeah, all the stuff with him and Fancy is really enjoyable. Like, again, where you kind of get the glimpse of the who's afraid of Virginia Woolf kind of stuff where she's talking about like, you're not man enough. And, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, no, it's it's like Queen of the Harpies. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely get all of that. (laughs) You you definitely like like they just have this incredibly toxic relationship and. Like, if that had all been a ruse to just mess with whoever their victim was, 
Like, that's a good idea for a movie. Or if they had just made Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with these two. <laughs> like, I would have also watched that. Yeah, just a weird southern who's afraid of virginia wolf with nick cage and katie strickland honestly yeah i mean kelsey Grammer's there you just have him be one of the one half of the other couple that comes over yeah yeah or you have it be uh buddy and his wife and then she actually gets some character things to do or kelsey Grammer and buddy's wife yeah, or kelsey Grammer is buddy's wife all of that would have worked any of those are, would have been fine. Um, but, but since we're kind of hinting at it, too, I want to say it more definitively. Katie Strickland, also a silver lining of this movie. Yeah, I would say like a little early on, I was a little iffy with the accent. But eventually I stopped caring because she just played such a psychopath so well. I mean, she's a sugar baker woman. And as long as you can <laughs> accept that. <laughs> I mean, the accent, everybody's accents are... A choice, I would say. Yeah. I mean, Nick Cage is the only one doing where it does feel subtle and ingrained into... His feels a lot more lived in than anyone else's. Yeah, because I wouldn't say hers is bad because I do think people sound like that, but it's very pronounced in a way that doesn't quite feel, like you said, lived in or organic. Like, it, it feels a little put on early on, but, but, but she's so like, good. Yeah. She was doing such good work outside of, like, the... A little bit put upon accent that it didn't matter because she was very entertaining as this like like sadistic Mrs. Robinson, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I mean, she has a scene where she uses a stiletto heel to rip a button off of Buddy's jeans. And that alone is the kind of commitment that will be appreciated on Silver Linings Playback. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, definitely. No, but she yeah, she truly is great because I think they have that where it's like there's a tilt, I feel like, where early on, because they, they are kind of playing into that where she she seems like they're sort of making you more sympathetic to, towards her at first because she is like, it's our anniversary and you didn't remember and you don't care. And also, like, you have to pay someone else to fix our fence. Like, you're kind of understanding her frustration of like this guy Nick Cage's character, Walter, definitely at first just seems like he drinks all day and the house is falling apart and he's not uh, he doesn't care. And, and so you're like sympathetic towards her. And then very quickly, it's very clear that there's a lot more going on with her than yes. that. <laughs> and she plays that to that very well. Uh, and I, no, I enjoyed her performance completely from start to finish. And then, and then yeah. there's and then there's Kelsey Grammer, who we also have. To yeah, talk and Kelsey Grammer, he's just a delight as a, as a presence on the screen. I imagine he spent two days on set and he made the most of those because I figure you one day for the interrogation scenes and then another day for the the final scene, the final shootout. Yeah. at the end. Yep, and he was there. I'm sure two days, and he. I mean, again, Kelsey Grammer just deciding to ignore the Constitution. To, to interrogate that moment was just like like wait is he a villain in this too or is he like should we want them to find justice or is this guy a monster or i also found it a really fascinating choice to not because normally like you know you kind of expect either that character is going to railroad this guy who's innocent or that character is going to be smart enough to figure out what's really going on. 
he kind of was somewhere like he does decide when he finds out the truth to to let the other guy go. But at no point does he figure it out or seem interested in right. figuring it out. It's all the but other he sees a live body next to a dead body. And he's like, well, must have killed him. Which tracks in for a our- car accident. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, the, the guy that he has in custody has injuries that can't be explained by like a car accident. <laughs> also, yeah. you would think that they would do some kind of uh, toxicology screening on the victim and find out that he had been drugged for, you know, weeks or months or however long he was in that basement. <laughs> Well, I mean, if it's clear that they're not following the due process of the Constitution, they're also probably not doing their due diligence in forensic investigation. Yeah, I mean, you almost just expect them not to even be interrogating him. That we just, the opening of the movie is just that kid getting the electric chair. Because. (laughs) (laughs) And, And you see, and like it pans out, and Nick Cage and Fancy are sitting in the back watching. Yeah, and then making out. Yeah, they're just clearly, like, given over-the-pants handies to each other while, while he's being electrocuted. <laughs> yep. God, we made a much better movie than this just talking about it for an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, man, I'm telling you, if, anyone, if any of you listening worked on Grand Isle, please just, look, you can do it anonymously, but just tell me what happened. I'm just really curious. Well, one thing I did see in the IMDb trivia is that they did run out of money at one point and they just used what they had and called it a day. But that doesn't really explain that doesn't no, it doesn't sense. explain what um but it does give a sense of the attention to detail paid for this movie. Yeah, cuz I everything you and I are pitching would have actually saved them money because you wouldn't have needed that big expensive uh, in I think in the Joel and Andy version of Grand Isle, you stick mostly you only need two sets. You only need the interrogation room and then their house. You didn't need any of those final. You didn't need Nick Cage to cut his hair and wear a completely different costume. And you didn't need a diner full of extras and like SWAT. And you no. didn't need squibs. Like I could have saved you so much money on this ending. <laughs> like, Yeah. Just. But yeah, this is this is Nick Cage at his Nick Cageiest, And it's super like. Thinking about the movie that could have been and watching the bits of this movie that are actually really good are worth it. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this, like we're in the the silver linings portion. This movie has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that is unfair to this movie. Yes. If you could, like, give various Rotten Tomato scores to different segments of this movie. Yeah, because the end probably deserves a zero. Yes. Yeah. But. I would even look, I'm going to make this suggestion to you. If you if you trust us and you really you don't want to watch the train go off the tracks, just play through. Where would you where would you stop? Watch the first hour. Watch the first hour. And then, yeah, just stop it about the time that when she stabs him in the hand. Stop watching. Yeah. Yep. Assume that's how it ends. Or just, you know what? She's yeah. So fancy stabs. Walter in the hand, hit stop. You just write your own ending from your heart to what you think happens. And submit it to us at Hobo Trashcan on Instagram or Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio podcast on Instagram. 
uh yeah or murphy's law at hobo trash can die you can email it to me i got time yeah sure i'll read your email and we'll talk about it uh next year in september for nicholas cage Month. exactly yeah you gotta wait but we'll, we'll you know yeah write your own ending to this movie and shoot and, it and film it yes and edit film it, it. <laughs> call nick cage call katie strickland yeah get them back call uh ben wad and um yeah, and, and shoot the movie, and then we'll edit it in. And it maybe you'll get a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. And maybe it'll win the short film. <laughs> the best short film Academy Award. Academy Award. Just, you gotta dream. You gotta dream, Bick. Because if there's one thing we want this podcast to do, it's to inspire someone out there to win a best live-action short film Oscar. Look, I'm going to be real with you guys. I'm, I'm only in this podcast game to be thanked in your eventual Oscar speech. I mean, I didn't want to put it out there, but yeah, same. Just name drop your boys in your, your Academy Award acceptance speech. That's all. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.